You're listening to the Fertility Docs Uncensored Podcast, featuring insight on all things fertility from some of the top-rated doctors around America. Whether you're struggling to conceive or just planning for your future family, we're here to guide you every step of the way. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Susan Hudson with Fertility Docs Uncensored, and I'm here today with my friends and co-hosts, Dr. Abby Eblen from Nashville Fertility Center. Hi, everybody. And Dr. Carrie Bedient from Fertility Center of Las Vegas. You, hello. How are y'all doing today? <laughs> We're doing, I'm doing great. How are you, Carrie? You doing great? <laughs> I'm good, except I am doing... So I'm doing Zoom consultations all day because it's my day from my home office so that we don't infect each other as other doctors in the office, blah, blah, blah. So I'm at my home office and I'm doing Zoom consultations all day, which means I'm staring at my face all day. And I got thwacked by my three-year-old. And so it left a perfect lightning-shaped scar in the middle of my forehead. And so my husband very lovingly told me that I look like Harry Potter when it happened. And as a result, every time I look at myself in the mirror, I think, oh, look, I'm Harry Potter. And that's what I've been thinking about all day long. I'm actually re-listening to the Harry Potter books right now. Oh, I love Harry Potter. It's good. It's good. I, I'm I'm trying to, in pre-election season, trying to zen myself out. And I figured that listening to Harry Potter is about as safe as I can get. Do they have a good narrator? Oh my goodness. The guy's name is Jim Dale. And he actually has won, like, I think, like the Emmy version of audiobooks um, wow. for his... I, I mean, like, even when I read the Harry Potter books, it's his voice that I hear. Like it's it's absolutely amazing. We we have the whole series and I've listened to them before and it's just it, it's neat. It's neat. I'm I'm in the fourth book, I think, right now. How many Harry Potter books are there? I've seen some of the movies, but I've not read the books. There's seven. There's eight movies. You've never read the books? <gasps> you need to listen to the audiobooks. Like they are so amazing. I don't really read, uh, listen and read, but I can read though, actually. I just I read so much <laughs> I read so much in medical school that I got so burned out. You know, after you read that thick pathology book with like a thousand pages a couple of times, you're kind of like, I'm done with reading. So, but I love to listen to audiobooks as well. And I kind of waffle between listening to ones that are nonfiction versus fiction. Depends on my mood. My best, and I'll and I actually look at Goodreads. Have you guys ever looked at that website? Uh-huh. It's kind of a, if you're trying to figure out what book you're going to listen to next, it's a good way to help pick it. It's, it's a website. But I listened to this one book called The Body and it sounds, I know it sounds kind of nerdy as a physician, <laughs> but it's, but it's really cool that it, it's all this cool, interesting trivia about the body and it goes through every system in the body. It's, it's actually really fascinating, I think. So this is very telling because you say the body and you immediately think, oh, it's all this great medical trivia. And I hear like horror story thinking a body found in the graveyard. Now, granted, I have a fair number of books called The Body too. Like I've got one by, oh, of course, I can't remember the guy's name. This book is by Bill Bryson. And I would highly recommend it if you're into nonfiction science. But fiction, right now I'm reading um, The Tuesday Murder Club. or Thurs- I'm sorry, The Thursday Murder Club. And it's really, it's funny. It's about some older people at sort of an assisted living and they sort of like are interested in solving crimes and then, you know, crime happens there. Do they murder each other every Thursday? <laughs> like, is it... <laughs> no, 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 they don't it, murder. But who they, makes it out at dinner Thursday night? 
No, like one's a retired detective and one's a retired nurse and one's a retired psychiatrist and they just, they're trying to pass time. And so they kind of look at these cold cases and then as it turns out, a murder actually happens around them that they can help solve. But, but the funny thing, I mean, the, the plot didn't sound all that great, but, but it's just really, they're kind of funny. They did, they make, I mean, a couple of times I've just laughed out loud with different things they've said. So I think it's fun. I like it. So what about you, Carrie? Do you listen to to audiobooks? Not really. I don't really do anything for uh, enjoyment reading <laughs> because I'm either reading to the small human beings in my house or I'm reading in preparation to the mid-sized human beings that I teach or for the adult-sized human beings that I'm trying to help get human beings of their own. And so as a result, I can't tell you the last time I read a book for fun. That's why I'm telling you, audiobooks are like the way to go because it's when you're driving. Yeah, it's great. It's like somebody's reading a story to you. It's fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do sometimes pull up like NPR in This American no, Life. No, no, no. No, 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 no. I love the stories. It's I really like the stories. It's not the same. It's not the same. Okay, so my go-tos for like, two big audiobook families. So obviously the Harry Potter series is is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. The Outlander series, like the one that's on TV. I love her. That's good. Okay. Ah. So the, the books are by Diana Gabaldon and the books are amazing. And uh-huh. the audiobooks are just phenomenal. Now, you know, those, those are not for like the light of heart. Cause I think like most of them are like 12 <laughs> CDs long, oh my but gosh. you know, the nice thing is even, even though my daily commute is from my house to my office is about 15 minutes mm-hmm. when I'm driving from my office or my house to my lab, you know, that's somewhere between 35 to 45 minutes. And it just, it just adds up. And yeah. I mean, I think it's the same feeling you get when you binge watch series. Cause when I binge watch a series, I don't watch it as I'm watching a TV show. To me, it's like an excessively long movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, sometimes I'll find myself driving to work and I'll stop and I'll be like, I don't want to get out of my car. I've got to listen to what's going to happen next. It's like, okay, I got to go to work. I'm going to be late. So, and then I get back in my car and I'm excited again. I get to listen to it again. And it's, it's just like somebody's reading you a story. It's fun. Even if I don't have a CD player because mine has crashed because my car is 12 years old and is beating all You don't all need hell. a CD player. You just need a phone that has the Audible app on it. And then you just <laughs> listen to it on your Audible app and you plug it into your car. Okay. I, well, I can't plug it into my car, but I can just turn my phone on. You can just turn your phone yeah. on. You okay. can do it. All right. <laughs> all right. We're going to have to, we're going to have to move on, Carrie, but I think we should, we need to hear an update, you know, in another few shows to see if you've been able to juggle this and figure it all out. I, mean, okay. I think you can probably I figure will, the technology out. I will consider consider your suggestion. Yes, yay, I'm. We're yay. we're driving to Arizona this weekend, so I'll see. Uh, my I I might be able to convince uh, to turn on the Harry Potter series if I can find them and figure it out. Good stuff. Well, today we are going to talk about a hormone that some of our listeners may have heard about and some of them may have not. And Abby's getting so excited because we're about to talk about a hormone. Lactin. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I killed, killed the punch or hit the punch line or something. Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> we are going to talk about the hormone prolactin. And um, this is a, a sneaky little hormone. It really has kind of one main purpose in life, but us as reproductive endocrinologists, it can really be like a big pain in our backside sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so Abby, tell us a little something about prolactin. What's your favorite prolactin tidbit? Prolactin is really important if you're a breastfeeding mom. And we hope all of you are going to be breastfeeding moms somewhere down the line. But when you're not a breastfeeding mom, it causes problems. It, it messes up your menstrual cycle. It messes, messes up your ovulation and it makes it more difficult for a pregnancy to implant, um, even if you are having regular cycles. So that's my tidbit. <laughs> <laughs> What's your thoughts, Carrie? So um, prolactin is something that's really sensitive and it's something that the levels in general should be pretty low. Like most of the time, the levels are like 20, 20 to 30 or lower, but they're pretty sensitive to even just um, environmental cues. And so whenever we see somebody who comes back with a slightly high level, the first thing that I always ask is, was it first thing in the morning when it was drawn? And was it a difficult stick? Meaning when they went to go draw your blood, did they really struggle? Because that can, that can jack up the prolactin level. Had you had sex recently? Because that can drive it up. Were you wearing a really tight bra? Because that can drive it up. Did you have any nipple stimulation? So if you happen to be breastfeeding or, um, or even not breastfeeding, but have a grabby child or I suppose partner could also do it, um, <laughs> that is is stimulating your nipples, that can drive it up. Um, there's lots of things that exercise, can, that's the other biggie. Exercise, eating, all of those things can can drive it up. Um, and so it's a pretty sensitive little thing. So I'll have people come back to me saying, oh my God, my prolactin's high. And I'm like, no, it's barely high. And let's repeat it and it's probably fine. And and the second time we have them pay extra attention to all of those factors. And one other thing I think about with prolactin, it's like a sneaky little hormone too. And I literally looked this up the other day just because I was like, am I really telling the patient this? Is this really correct? So there's different sizes of prolactin and they have really technical names like big prolactin, big, big <laughs> prolactin, and I guess just regular prolactin. I don't know who named them. There's macro prolactin too, which I don't know how that's different than big and big, big, <laughs> because you would think it would all be the same, but I think it's actually different. I think there's different criteria there, but I could be wrong. Frankly, when I tell patients that, I don't know if they look at you like you're nuts, but they look at me like, okay, she really doesn't know what she's talking about here. I'm sure of this. But the reason that's important, as you guys know, is when we do an assay, when we draw blood and we check your prolactin level, the problem is if two groups of prolactin or two prolactin molecules have joined together, they're not picked up on the assay. So even though they may be making you have breast discharge or they may be affecting your implantation of an embryo, the assay may come back and show that, you know, that your prolactin is completely normal. So I don't know about you guys, but if I find a patient and they tell me, and I actually had a patient recently like this, that said, oh yeah, I have breast discharge. I, you know, maybe once a week, or if I really try and express, you know, discharge from a nipple, I can get it. When I hear that, I usually just tell them, okay, we really need to put you on something to drop your prolactin level. We're going to draw a blood level on you. But even if it comes back normal, I still want you to go on something to drop your prolactin because clearly you have some effect of prolactin if you're having nipple discharge. And I'm not sure if you guys do that too or not, but it's it's worked well for me a few times with different patients through the years. So um, what I find quite often is, you know, there's another hormone, the thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH level. That's another important one to be checking out when we have those elevated prolactin levels because 
you know, a lot of these hormones are actually shaped like each other in, in our body. And if that TSH levels elevated, we could, that could actually even be causing a falsely abnormal prolactin level as well. So I find that that is another little caveat of things we have to think of. Um, and also thinking about the medications that you're on, there's a lot of medications. Yeah. I mean, things as simple as birth control pills. Um, a lot of the antidepressants or anxiety or antipsychotic medications, um, can have a significant impact on that as well. And, and, you know, just because your prolactin level may be slightly elevated, isn't, it's not a huge deal, but we, we want to figure out what, what's the reason behind it. And is there something that we can do to make your body a, a little more, um, amenable to what we would consider a normal environment? So Carrie, say you do all these tests and everything, the prolactin levels elevated, but you, you know, you check their thyroid, that's normal. You ask all the questions about exercise and all that, all that's negative. What would you do if the prolactin levels elevated at that point to kind of get at the etiology of it? So I want to make sure that, um, if they have a prolactinoma, that I'm aware of that. And what that is, is that's a, a tumor that is up in the pituitary. The pituitary is a small little organ in the brain. And that's part of the chain of command of what controls all of the hormonal functions in the body. So the um, the grand general is the hypothalamus. Next in line is the pituitary. And then next in line are all the little subcommanders. Um, the thyroid, the ovaries, the adrenals, mm-hmm. testicles, if you happen to have them, um, all of the other organs. And so the pituitary... Testicles are only in the men though, right? Or the or the um, intersex uh, people, you know, let's oh, be... You're taking it. that far too seriously. That was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> well, but we got to be legit. But thank you for being technical, Carrie. I guess we are supposed to give our listeners some useful information. If we have somebody with androgen insensitivity syndrome, it is... Yeah. I mean, there's, there's plenty of other things. Things and you know, heaven knows that ours is the field where we see it all. So it's <laughs> it is all possible. Um, so with the pituitary, you can have uh, an overgrowth of those cells. So there's a there's about five ish different classes of cells within the pituitary. Each of them defined by the types of hormones that they produced. And sometimes the pituitary cells that are responsible for producing that prolactin go into overdrive and um, there's quite a bit more of them. And so they're making proportionally much more prolactin than they should be. And you have what's called a prolactinoma. And so most of the time- That sounds kind of scary, Carrie. Um, It does sound scary, but scary Carrie is worse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's not. It's really and truly not because they're not cancerous. It's a benign, so emphasis on the not cancerous tumor. And most often they're really pretty small. So they don't even elbow all the other structures there out of the way very effectively. Um, So how big is small? Less than a centimeter. What happens if it's bigger than a centimeter? So less than a centimeter is roughly the size of your pinky fingernail. Um, And I'm resisting the urge to, you know make <laughs> gestures to shove it up your nose or something like that because that's approximately the right size. Um, and that's also it, close to the location of your pituitary gland, right? Right in the middle of your head. Exactly. Like if you take if you take your pinky finger and you were to like jam it up your nose looking for a gold mine. So if you were to get COVID tested, you'd be close, close to your pituitary. Yeah. 
It's true. It is a brain biopsy. I thought that's where you're going with that. Not that you were trying to pick your nose or anything. (laughs) Um, Well, I wasn't trying to pick my nose regardless. Um, And I wasn't thinking of COVID testing either because I'm trying to pretend that that doesn't exist either. It's not going well. Um, But the macroadenomas or macroprolactinomas are larger than a centimeter. And sometimes when you have those, that's that's more likely to dictate, okay, we got to do something about this. And Susan, what would you do about a macro um, macro pituitary adenoma? So um, I'm going to back up just a little bit. So if you as a listener are talking to your doctor and you've had a couple of abnormal prolactin levels, in addition to probably getting on some medication, um, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but in addition to that, probably the kind of the biggest thing that patients get kind of like wigged out about is the fact that we recommend an MRI of your brain and actually a very specific part, the pituitary, like we talked about. And that's how we find out if we have a micro, less than a centimeter adenoma going on, or a macro, greater than a centimeter. And the reason why this is a big deal is because the pituitary sits very close to where the nerves of your eyes crisscross. It's an area called the optic chiasm. So there is a chance that if your if your pituitary in that specific area is getting so big, it could actually mess up your vision. And obviously, that's not something that we would want to have. And if that's becoming an issue, then sometimes people have to have surgery to help minimize the size of that prolactinoma. Let me just throw in here, I've seen lots and lots and lots and lots of people with elevated prolactin. I have can think of one person maybe 10 years ago that I sent to a neurosurgeon to talk about surgery. So the good news is if you're listening to this because your prolactin's elevated, don't go there. You're probably not going to need surgery. You're probably going to be able to be treated with medicine. So that's the good news. Right. It's very, very, it's very, very, very rare for us to have somebody who actually needs to have surgery in this type of situation. And one of the questions that's um, that's kind of a tip off of, are you having that visual defect? Like, are you missing it? Is, have you had more car accidents recently where afterwards you just said the car came out of nowhere in in my side view. Like they were just not there. And then all of a sudden they were because it's called bitemporal hemianopsia. And you just, you don't have some of that peripheral vision. And so you get sideswiped because you go to merge because you don't see anything. Like you literally do not see the car that is there. You know, let me just say, I'm really impressed. Susan brought out optic chiasm. Carrie, you brought out I can't even remember the word you brought up. I'm, I'm, By temporal amyanopsia. <laughs> yeah, I can't even say it. And she just brought it out of nowhere. So I'm really impressed with you ladies. I, I don't think I could bring those technical terms out because we deal with prolactinomas and prolactin so rarely. But I think the good news is when we deal with them, as we were saying before, most of the time, once we do the MRI and we kind of figure out what we're dealing with, if it is a prolactinoma, which some people would even say it's just an overgrowth of kind of the normal cells that are there. So it's certainly not a cancer or anything like that. The good news is it can be treated pretty easily with a couple of different medicines. Um, There's an older medicine called bromocryptine that we used many years ago. And in fact, I'll have to admit when I first started out in OB, many women did not want, or when I was in training, Many women did not want to breastfeed back in, I'm talking like the 90s or so. And so we would actually give them bromocryptine to help drive their breast milk after they had a baby. And so that's a medicine that's been around for a really long time. 
a newer medicine called Dostinex or carbogaline is a drug that we use more commonly because it has less side effects. And then a fairly short period of time, it will positively impact ovulation. So a lot of times when people have elevated prolactin levels, they stop ovulating, their periods get very erratic. Um, so within just a really short period of time, they can start to ovulate, which certainly makes it more likely for them to get pregnant. It takes about three or four months in order for the breast discharge that they had to go away. But the positive benefits in terms of fertility occur pretty quickly after they take the medicine. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, one of the things that can drop your prolactin levels pretty quickly and it's beneficial when you're trying to stop breastfeeding is if you're taking estrogen-based contraceptives. And that's part of the reason why we try and avoid those until uh, a woman's breast milk has truly come in. But it's also a helpful thing to kind of know when you're looking at the medications that a woman's on. If she if she didn't have it for a long time and then all of a sudden stopped her birth control and has nipple discharge, then then you can sometimes associate those two things. And, and when we're saying nipple discharge, we're pretty much describing milky-like discharge. It is kind of a white, sometimes clearish fluid. If you have fluid that is bloody, if you have fluid that is black, that is not safe. That means do not pass go. Go directly to your OBGYN and get evaluated right away. Um, what we're talking about literally looks like a milk spigot attached to your boob. Um, and that's it's just kind of slowly dripping out. No, it's not that dramatic. Not always. Sometimes you have to push it. Um, but anything that's black or bloody, that needs attention right away. And also too, your doctor, if there's any doubt, can actually look at a sample of the breast discharge under a microscope. And, and typically you see fat droplets. And so when you see that, it's really obvious that it's breast milk and that it's not you know, some other pathologic entity like Carrie was referring to just a minute ago. Absolutely. We want safety number one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, that was a good talk about prolactin. It's a fun yeah. hormone. Like it, <laughs> it it's, is. It's one of those things that we look at, you know, we, we get to interact with periodically and, um, you know, it's, it's good for people to know because it, it is scary when you get an abnormal test results and then your doctors are ordering all these wanting to repeat it and, and, get MRIs and stuff like that, it's good to have some more background on it. You know, and the positive thing I'll say about that too is just like the patient I had recently, you know, a lot of times we'll ask questions about, you know, do you have hair growth problems? Do you have breast discharge? And usually it's no, no, no. And not to say I'm excited when somebody says yes, but if somebody like my patient a few weeks ago said, I actually do have breast discharge, then I'm like, aha, it makes me so happy because Usually that's a problem that's pretty easy to correct. And in my experience, usually people get pregnant really pretty quickly after that because they maybe have an irregular periods because they're not ovulating. And then once you kind of fix that problem, they ovulate quickly and a lot of times get pregnant pretty quickly. So I think it's actually a good thing when we discover it. Yeah, I would agree with that. And prolactin is actually found all over the body. Like it's a pretty predominant hormone within the uterus too. Although nobody actually knows exactly what it does. It's all over the amniotic fluid when you actually get pregnant. It's um, it's all over the place, but it, it doesn't really get a whole lot of attention except with respect to breast milk. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, to our audience, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week for more. Also be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. You can also visit us at fertility.suncensored.com to schedule an appointment with any of us or to submit a specific question you have about infertility. The more embarrassing, the better, as Carrie always says. <laughs> All right. We will see you guys soon. Tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.